0: We'll go ahead and turning your Bibles to Second Thessalonians chapter two. We're continuing, of course, our study of Paul's second letter to the church at Thessalonica, and as we as we look at our passage today, we're going to see some truths. Uh, and, and it's really a dealing with the day of the Lord. Now, you may say, I don't know exactly what the day of the Lord is. I'll explain it to you in a minute. In fact, when we think about it, this is the time of the tribulation. The day of the Lord actually begins when the rapture happens, and then there's a time after that, and it's called the time of the tribulation when the man of sin, the Antichrist, comes to power and claims to be God. So why is Paul dealing with this? Why does he put this in this letter? Well, we mentioned earlier that the believers had been told that they missed the rapture, that the rapture had happened, they didn't go, and so they're stuck on the earth and they're in the tribulation. And we're going to see as Paul writes to correct that, we're going to be excited as we study God's word this morning. Now, I want to go back to the year 1938. Think about this time. Uh, No moon landing, no atomic bombs, no TV, no space probes, no World War II, the year 1938. People went home in the evening and usually turned on the radios. One night a family turns on the radio and as usual the program that they're listening to is interrupted with a bulletin. Beings from outer space have landed in a field in New Jersey. There are reports of death and destruction. The reaction is fear and terror. Their world will never be the same. Some people ran for their lives. Some jumped out to their deaths. It was a horrible, earth-shaking message, but it was untrue. Most of you know that it was a radio broadcast, It was by Orson Welles, and it was the War of the Worlds. But it was so realistic, and they didn't give a warning at all. It was so realistic that many people called the authorities. They thought it happened. In fact, some people actually ended their lives. As panic spread, of course, the program was stopped and told, no, this is just a program. It was untrue. And this untrue story brought trouble to many. You ever received something untrue? Maybe a misdiagnosis? Or maybe uh, an accident? Somebody said, oh, they had that and then it didn't happen? Or maybe something else happened and, that you, and you thought, oh, no, and then you found out that that didn't happen at all. Mark Twain wrote one time, he said, you know, the reports of his death, he said, the reports of my death are greatly exaggerated. False messages are troubling. Sometimes... There are false messages concerning the Bible. You ever thought about that? Have you ever heard somebody say that you could lose your salvation? That's a false message. There are people who say, well, look, if you, don't, if you don't live right, you could lose it. Or if you don't live right, you never had it. Or if you do some bad sin that you were saved, but then you lost it. Or that, well, you know, if, if you don't do the following six things or this or you don't make a this, you could lose it. That's a false message. That's untrue. And you trust in Jesus Christ as Savior. He gives to you what? What does he give you? Eternal life, that's life that lasts forever. There's some people who say that if you live a good life, you can go to heaven. We can go downtown Stillwater and just stop people on the street, and you can say, what do you think a person has to do to go to heaven or to have eternal life? And a lot of times people will say, well, you know, try to live the best life you can, keep the Ten Commandments, get baptized, go to church, be a good person. those That's a false message. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through him. Salvation is a gift by faith alone, and Christ alone It is not by being good. And then sometimes people put that bad things happen to people because they're sin. That anytime something happens, like somebody has a... Well, I wonder what they were doing wrong so that this bad thing happened to them. Listen, we live in a fallen world and there are bad things happen to people all the time. It has nothing to do with their sin. And so when we think about it, sometimes there are false messages. Well, this morning we're going to see that believers in Thessalonica had received a troubling message that was wrong. They were told that the day of the Lord had come and the rapture had already happened. That Jesus Christ had already come in the clouds. The people had left the face of the earth and they, for some reason, were left behind. And the persecution they were experiencing, which they were experiencing persecution, it was because they were actually in the tribulation. Well, this was troubling but untrue. So Paul likes the letter to correct this, And then we're in chapter 2, and this is where he deals with those sort of issues. Let me break down the passage for you in verses 1 through 5. He's going to say the delay of the Lord has not come. Two events must happen first. Then we're going to see the actions of the man of sin, this man we call the Antichrist. We saw a lot of it when we studied the book of Daniel. If you remember, we just got through with the book of Daniel when we're doing this. Daniel had all sorts of end-time events in it. And then, of course, Paul reminds them of his teaching. So as we begin, let's do this. Let's, let's get a little review of end-time events events just to make sure we know what's going on if you remember jesus christ came the first time to the earth born in bethlehem lived to about age 30 at age 30 he started a ministry the ministry lasted between three and three and a half years he ended up by going to the cross dying to pay for sin and rising again conquering death and ascending back to heaven then on the day of Pentecost, the church began. This is us, the church with the body of Christ. Everyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ the Savior is placed in Christ and becomes what we call the church of the body of Christ. And the church is going on right now. This is what is going on. The next event is going to be Jesus coming in the clouds. We call it the rapture. It comes from a Latin word rapio, which means a snatching away. There's a Greek word, apostasia, which means a departure. We're going to see it in our passage. The church will be taken off the face of the earth. After we're gone, after we're taken, the dead in Christ will rise first. We who are alive and remain will be tied up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. After we're gone, there's going to be a time called the... The tribulation is the final seven years of the 490 years given to the Jewish people we saw in the book of Daniel. But it's called the seven years. We call it the tribulation. There's going to be a man of sin come to power. There'll be a 10 king federation, then three, and then one, he comes to power, claims to be God, halfway through, puts his idol up in the temple, claiming to be God. And that's the tribulation time period. These people were told that they missed the rapture and they're in the tribulation. We know that Jesus Christ comes as the King of kings and the Lord of lords at the end of the tribulation sets up a a kingdom. So that's what we've been seeing. Now, the Antichrist, in that seven-year time period, we called it Daniel's 70 week, in the first three and a half years, there's all kind of things going on. But halfway through, he breaks a covenant that he makes with Israel and claims to be God. We're going to see it in our passage this morning, that he sits in the temple of Jerusalem. And so he claims to be God, and that is what we call the great tribulation that begins after that. So, and then, of course, there's the second coming of Christ. And as I just want to remind you again, at the end of the tribulation, Jesus comes back to set up a kingdom, which we call the millennial kingdom because it lasts for a thousand years. It's found in the book of Revelation chapter 20, about verses 1 through 8, where it talks about that. So that's the flow of the end time events. This is where we all are. The very next event is the rapture. And then after that will be the tribulation. These believers in Thessalonica thought they had missed the rapture and that they were in the tribulation, And so Paul is going to write to deal with that. Now, let me just show you something here. In 1 Thessalonians, which he had already written to them, in 1 Thessalonians 4 and in verse in chapter 5 as well, in Thess- I don't want to take the time to go through there, but in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18, he talks about how Jesus is going to come in the clouds and take them off the face of the earth. Then in chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, he talks about the day of the Lord. And so what he had already taught them in the first letter that he wrote, to them, plus he already taught them when he was there, that the rapture comes, then the day of the Lord, which is amounts to the tribulation and the Antichrist. Now it's a great truth for all of us, because I've talked to people who's come up to me and said, you know, I'm a Christian, but I'm really scared because, you know, one of these days we're going to be in that tribulation and I heard about all the bad things that are going to happen and this antichrist and the mark of the beast and all that. I said, listen, if you know Jesus Christ as Savior, you're in the body of Christ. You won't ever experience that because the Lord's going to come and take us off the face of the earth. And so for all of us in this room, you should be encouraged to know that, that you're not in a tribulation and you're not going to be in the tribulation. Jesus Christ is going to come get us, and it could happen any second. There are no signs or anything that has to be done for Jesus to come get us. So, now, they were confused, and so Paul's going to write to them. And let's look, and the very first thing we're going to see is he's going to tell them the day of the Lord has not come. Look at chapter 2, look at verse 1. Now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together with him that you don't be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed by a spirit or a message or a letter from us that the day of the Lord has come. It hasn't come. He's writing to fellow believers. Notice he says, now we request you, brethren. He's writing to those people that he led to Christ when he went through there on his second missionary journey. He requests that they not be shaken. That means to be disturbed or bothered. In fact, he says in verse 2, quickly shaken from your composure or disturbed. With regards, notice, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him. Now, what does that sound like? The coming of Jesus Christ and us being gathered together with Him. That's the rapture. He says, I don't want you to be messed up. I want, he says, with regard to the coming of our Lord and the gathering together. This is the rapture. Now, the first Thessalonians passage that we didn't turn to a while ago, I've got it right here for you. Here's what he says. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, that's the rapture, will not precede those who have already died, fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. See, there's an angel there, an archangel. And with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord where? In the air, so we'll always be with the Lord. This is the rapture. That's going to happen. It could happen at any second. Before or through this morning, it could happen right now. All of a sudden, Jesus would come with a shout, the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, and we'd be gone immediately. 1 Corinthians 15 says, it's a twinkling of an eye. It'd be this, that fast. But we're gone. We're gone. I hope if it happens that nobody's left in this room. If he came right this second, I hope nobody would be left in this room. Because if you're left in that room that, mean, this room, that means you weren't a believer. You had not trusted in Jesus Christ, and you're left here. So he says, listen, request, brethren, I, I, I want to re- regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together with him. He says, I don't want you to be shaken. Notice verse 2 that you'll not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a, or a message or a letter as from us in the effect that the day of the Lord has come. He says, listen, I don't want you to be shaken or disturbed. And sometimes people get upset. They don't know enough of the scripture. Somebody tells them, hey, you know, one of these days Antichrist is going to come and all of us are going to have to make a decision whether we take the mark of the beast and we're all going to be running for our lives. And you and I could say, oh, Oh, I don't know what to do about that. Well, he's saying, listen, don't be shaken about that or disturbed, because that ain't going to happen. That's not going to happen to us. Jesus is going to come. We're going to be gathered with him. And so he says, I don't want you to be quickly shaken from your composure or to be disturbed either by, and notice what he says, and in fact, see, that this day of the Lord, that Christ would come, and Christ would come, and then it's the day. Of the Lord, He said, they had received a false message. Notice what he says. That you not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by what? A spirit or a message or a letter as if from us to the effect of the day of the Lord has come. He says, a spirit, a message, a letter. What does that mean? A spirit. Somebody might have told them that they got revelation from God that they missed the rapture. Or that a message came that somebody else told them. Or that Paul had actually written them a letter and told them, oh, you poor guys, you missed it. Paul says, don't be shaken. You didn't get this from anybody. Nobody wrote you a letter. Nobody gave you a message. This didn't come from Paul or from God. He basically says this, no matter what you've heard, you don't need to be worried about this because the day of the Lord has not yet come. The day of the Lord begins, and let me remind you again, that when Jesus Christ comes in the clouds and we're taken off the face of the earth, that begins, biblical-wise, the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord not only, biblical-wise, goes through the seven-year tribulation, but the thousand-year reign of Christ. In the scripture, that is called the day of the of the Lord. It's not a particular day. It's a time period. And so Paul is saying is, listen, don't worry. The Lord hasn't come yet because Jesus Christ is going to come get us. And then all of that happens. It has not happened. He says, don't, don't be bothered by this. Listen, if you're not going to be, if, if we're not going to be confused, you're going to have to know the Bible. Think about it. I know people who are confused on the salvation message. You can ask them, what do you think a person has to do to be saved? And they don't even know the answer. They're so confused. They might even be a Christian, but they're so confused they wouldn't know what to tell anybody else. Listen, Jesus Christ came to the earth and died on the cross to pay for sin, and he rose from the grave conquering death, and he offers to any human being the gift of eternal life, and that's simply by faith. That's why John 3.16 says, God so loved the world, that's God loving us, that he gave his son Jesus Christ to die and rose again, that whoever believes in him, not works but faith, would never perish but have everlasting life. That's the offer. God says, I'll give you eternal life if you'll believe in me. And sometimes you will hear people say, no, you have to be good or you have to live right or you have to keep living right or you can't sin or if you mess up, you got to do this and all kind of things. Paul tells these believers that the day of the Lord has not come. If you and I know the flow of the end times, that's when we put that chart up many, many times. And by the way, as you go out the door on that little table, there is some cards which actually has that flow chart of, of the end times. If you've never got that before, pick that up as you leave because you can look at it. It gives you the verses. It shows you where it fits together. So you should never say, I hope I don't go through the tribulation. As you want, Jesus Christ will come. Now, he says, before all this happens, this day of the Lord and the tribulation and everything, two things must happen. In verse 3, he says this. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come, the day of the Lord will not come, unless, first, the apostasy comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. Now, two things have to happen. First, there has to be the rapture, That's the departure. I'll talk to you more about it in just a second. And then the man of sin comes to power. He says, there won't be the day of the Lord until these things happen. So two things. The rapture, which is called apostasy in this one. I'll tell you why in just a second. And then the man of sin coming. Notice what he says again let no one in any way deceive you. Don't let people try to trick you because it's not going to happen until the apostasy, the departure. That's what that word actually means apostasia. Sometimes people, uh, if I said, well, they are, are you know, apostasy happened over there, that means a lot of times it means they moved away from the faith. That's what it means. But the word actually means a departure. And I think Paul is talking here about the departure of the church. He just mentioned it in verse 1. Now he mentions it again in verse 3. He says, until the apostasy comes first, and then the man of lawlessness. So let's think about the apostasy. The word literally means departure. Departure. It means departure to move away. I think he's saying that none of this tribulation thing is going to happen until first we're gone away. Aren't you glad that we're going to be going away? How many people want to go through tribulation? We don't go, no, 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 I'd like to pass it if possible. You will. If you know Jesus Christ is Savior, you won't be a part of this. The church, the day of the Lord, will not come until first the church is raptured. And then notice, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. The man of lawlessness. Now, who is this man? We talked about him many times. After the church is gone, let me remind you of what we saw in the book of Daniel. After the church is gone, there'll be a time period. It's going to last for seven years. It's the final seven years of the 490 years that God gave to the Jewish people. They've used up 483. They have seven years to go. We call it the tribulation. After the church is gone, there'll be great chaos on the earth. There will be formed somehow a 10-king, 10-nation federation. From that, three will come from that one will come, that one man who comes to power, we call him the Antichrist, he's got all kind of names in the Bible, I'll show them to you in just a minute, but he's going to come to power and rule the world, and he's going to make a peace pact with the nation of Israel, and the peace pact will be for seven Years, you find that through a number of places in the Bible, not only the book of Revelation, but the book of Daniel, the book of Ezekiel, uh, other places as well, the book of uh, uh, Matthew, chapters 24, 25, it's all there. Now what happens is this man of sin comes to power. Paul calls him here the uh, the man of lawlessness and the son of destruction. He's called by many names in the Bible. He's called the beast, the antichrist, the lawless one, the son of destruction, even the prince who is to come from the book of Daniel. Is best known as the Antichrist. He is a man controlled by Satan. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. If you'll look down to verse 9, it says that this, the one, that's the Antichrist, whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan with all power, signs, and wonders. When the Antichrist comes to power, he will be a demon-possessed man, and he will be possessed by the devil himself. Now this is why he's such an evil man on the face of the earth. We talked about this when we studied the book of Daniel. If you'd like more details on that, you just go to the book of Daniel chapter 9. We talked about him in chapter 9. We also talked about him in chapter 10. Talked a little bit about him in chapter 8 and some in chapter 7. So that's in the book of Daniel. Now this person, when he comes, he is a man controlled by Satan. As we continue on, he's going to tell us what this man does. Look at verse 4. He opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. He claims to be God. If you remember, we're talking about this time right here. He makes a peace pact with the nation of Israel. It lasts for seven years. Halfway through the seven-year mark, he puts his idol up in the temple. Now, you say temple? There's no temple right now. There's not. But one of these days, the Jewish people are going to rebuild the temple. It's called the third temple. Sometimes it's even called the Antichrist temple because the temple we built in Jerusalem—we're not sure exactly where it's going to be built. It could be built on top of the Temple Mount. It could be built some other place. But wherever it is, it's going to be built, and the Jewish people are going to start using it. And halfway through the three, the seven years, halfway through at the three and a half year mark, he will break the covenant (Daniel 9:27), and it's called the abomination of desolation. It's in Matthew 24, 25, this man claims to be God. Notice what it says here. Who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as God. That's who he thinks he is. He opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or worship. Now, I want to read something to you. You don't have to turn there. We'll actually see that, or it's recorded in the book of Revelation, what this man will do. Listen to this. This is Revelation chapter 13. This beast, he says, came up out of the sea, and and they begin to worship him. And then here's what it says in verse 5 of Revelation 13. There was given to him a mouth, speaking arrogant words, and blasphemies, and authority to act for 42 months. That's the last three and a half years. He opens his mouth from blasphemies against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and those who dwell in heaven. It is given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world into the book of life. So the unbelievers will worship this man who claims to be God. In Revelation 13, verses 16 through 18, it says, He causes the small and the great and the rich and the poor to be given a mark on their right hand and their forehead. He provides no one will be able to buy or to sell except one who has the mark and the name of the beast is the number of his name here in his wisdom. Let him calculate who has understanding the number of the beast. But the number is that of a man, and his number is 666, 666. You've heard that all your life. That's the number of the beast. This is this man. Paul is telling the Thessalonians, one of these days, after they're gone, this man will exalt himself, claim to be God, and put his idol up in the temple. That's the mark of the beast. The torture of the church comes first, then the man of sin. Boy, this is powerful. He claims to be God taking his place. The Thessalonians were in great persecution, but it is nothing compared to what it's going to be like on this earth during the tribulation. Paul then reminds them of his teaching. Look at verse 5. He said, Do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things? Now, Paul was not there very long, and one of the first things that he taught these believers were end times. Now, I don't know about you. Let me, let me put this up. That Paul says, Paul taught this to the new church he established. I've had people say to me, you can't teach believers, especially new believers, about the end times. It's too hard to understand. Paul established the church in Thessalonica. He was probably not there much more than a month, and he taught them end times. Let me tell you, it is important to understand the flow of human events, the flow of God's plan, how he's working all things out. And so end times event are not for the deep and mature people. It's for any of us as we've, even if you're a brand new Christian, we can understand the end time event. So Paul said, don't you remember these things that I taught you? He said, do you not remember while I was still there? I was telling you these things. So Paul encourages these believers. The rapture must come first, then the tribulation. They're not going to be in it. So Paul writes to the church. He says, don't be shaken to trouble by the persecution. It's not the day of the Lord. First of all, the rapture of the church, and then the man of sin who goes into the temple and claims to be God. Paul said, I already taught you these things when I was there. So let me give you some applications. The first is this. Let's study God's word concerning the end times event. God has revealed it. Now, we talked about it when we studied the book of Daniel. You want to put the whole end times together? Well, you need to look at Daniel and Ezekiel and Isaiah and Zechariah and Matthew 24 and 25 and 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians and Jude and 2 Peter and the book of Revelation. You can look at those areas and you can put together the whole end time events. Now, you can't know all of this stuff. But the bottom line is you can have a big understanding. We know this. The next events, the rapture is going to happen, can happen at any second. So if if you were, all of, if you're here and all of a sudden all of us disappear and you've not trusted in Jesus Christ, the very best thing to do is to put your faith in Christ that exact moment. So the next event is the rapture. And if you remember, that's coming. So this is what's next. And we're going to be taken off the face of the earth. The man of sin, the tribulation time will begin with the peace pact made by the Antichrist. We talked about that. And then the man of sin will enter the temple and claim to be God. That's at the three and a half year mark we spent all that time. But it is amazing that Paul writes to the Thessalonians, and he tells them all these things. And he said, I already told you those things. So here's the key, second application. Trust in Jesus Christ for eternal life, salvation, and deliverance from the tribulation time period. If you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, right where you're sitting right now, you can trust in him to give you eternal life. He died on the cross to pay for your sin, and he rose again to conquer death. And he offers a gift It's not works. It's not what we do. It's not our trying to be faithful. It is simply taking God at his word. Jesus Christ says, you trust in me, I will give you eternal life. So we put our faith in Christ for eternal life. Right where you're sitting, you can trust him right now. When you trust him, not only does he give you eternal life salvation, but because you're in the body of Christ, we'll never be involved in the tribulation time period. So uh, if you've never trusted Christ right where you're sitting, even right now, put your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. May we may we all know Jesus as Savior, knowing that one day Jesus is going to come, take us off the face of the earth. That's the rapture. Then the tribulation will